Matt, the date is official. It looks like the spring event is happening now on March 8th, and uh, we sort of talked about it before. I mean, there hasn't really been a whole lot of new news on this event, but hey, at least it's official. We've got a date, and we can look forward to the first Apple event of the year, but I think in this episode, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I think we've got a little bit of news to talk about, but really, I think we want to do a deep dive into some of the most prolific Apple leaks of all time. The products that have leaked the most, that had some really significant leaks, but also some that have leaked the least. So we will get into all of that in this episode. It should be a really fun time, really good episode. But first, of course, we want to hear from you guys. If you guys have a question, a comment, you have something that you would like to uh, ask us uh, or something you'd like us to know, let us know at the Apple Circle hotline number. That number is, of course, 949-354-3508. You can call us, text us, you can tweet at us, the Apple Circle uh, on Twitter, or leave us a comment on YouTube. We are the Apple Circle podcast on YouTube. Just search us there and you can connect with us. We do have a question. I will get into momentarily, but first, Matt, you left us on a cliffhanger last week because you got your new M1 Max Mac oh, yeah. Pro. So one week later, give us a uh, little uh, one week later review. Uh, one week later, love it, super fast. Uh, it's everything I was hoping it would be. Although to be fair, I haven't edited anything really heavy on it yet. So uh, yeah, it's been busy because I actually went and visited the team down in California. So. It was nice to travel with a 14-inch laptop, which I haven't done in a long time. Love that part. That that alone is worth it. Um, but yeah, hopefully this week get into some heavy edits and see how it goes. But so far, so good. Best part about it, I think, is that when you're doing most things, like the vast majority of things, there's no fan. Like the fan just doesn't sound like anything. So usually right now it's kind of like I'm in a server room or something with a bunch of fans going. But right now it's mm. silent. It's great. What are your thoughts on sort of, I guess you, you had that MacBook Pro before. So, I mean, anything on the screen or the notch, so. just any, just kind of the same, same feelings yeah. on that. That That's all the same. I, I mean, I did go for the silver version, which I got the space gray on the other one. I, I still love the silver. Um, yeah, but all, all that's kind of the same. We've talked about it before. It's all great. Um, now it's just about the power, which I'll test this week probably. But so far, no complaints at all. Really liking it. So we did get a question this week. It kind of ties into this from Big Game Man House, I think. Let me double check. Big Man Big Game Man House. Game House. Close. Sorry. See, it was close there. That asks us what software we use to edit our videos. They're using DaVinci Resolve on their uh, channel to edit their videos. And this is actually a good question because we were just talking about this uh, at sort of our team uh, shoot uh, the past couple of days. We were talking about editing and stuff, and we talked about Premiere versus Final Cut. Um so we use Final Cut Pro here pretty much exclusively that we kind of made that transition a few years ago from Premiere and we're all sort of on the Final Cut Pro bandwagon. Um, so Matt, for you, what are your thoughts on Final Cut? Because I know you've switched between DaVinci and you've also used, used uh, Final Cut and other stuff. Thoughts on Final Cut Pro as it stands right now. And do you have any tips for people maybe either looking to get into editing for the first time who are looking to get into YouTube and want to learn how to edit, what software to go with? And for those who, um, you know, maybe are apprehensive about switching from Premiere or iMovie over to Final Cut, uh, any tips on that front as well? Yeah, I mean, I like Final Cut Pro 10 specifically. Just the real reason... There's a few reasons, but the main reason is the optimization. Um, if you're not using a Mac, then this is obviously isn't going to matter. But if you're on a Mac, it's more optimized than the other programs out there, especially once you get to the, like the M1, the M1 Pro, M1 Max processors. They have things like a ProRes coprocessor built in there so that it can uh, 
you know, handle that codec a little faster. Uh, it's also just made by Apple, so it works better. Um, so right now, if you're on a Mac, especially an Apple Silicon Mac, I mean, you're kind of just wasting time using anything else just because mm -hmm. of how much smoother and faster it is. Um, but that's just, you know, from an optimization standpoint, from an actual program standpoint, when it first came out, people really didn't like Final Cut Pro 10, but that's just because of how crazy different and simplified it was over Final Cut Pro 7, which Final Cut Pro 7 was basically Premiere. Like, they're almost exactly the same thing. Um, and then they went over to this kind of iMovie stylized uh, Final Cut version. And for a long time, it wasn't very good. It was missing a lot of features. It was, uh, it was, I think it was always fast, but it was never... It just wasn't what professionals thought they needed. And I, I actually kind of agree with that. Um, as years have gone on, that has mainly changed. I mean, every single thing I need to do, I can pretty much do in Final Cut. Um, I used to like go back and forth between uh, going into like After Effects and you know that kind of thing for certain moves and certain tasks that I needed, but I stopped doing that. I, I just don't need to, to do that anymore. Either there are third-party plugins that work in Final Cut Pro that fix any of those issues, or you can just already do it natively. So pretty much everything you need to do, I think, is fine. Um, you know, our, our um, the person who has the question here says they use Resolve. DaVinci Resolve is great. Um, that's actually pretty uh, refined and runs really well on these M1 Macs as well. So, I mean, that's great. The main thing there is really focused on color. Um, that's what most people use it for or, or why they use it is because of all the color editing. So if you're doing a lot of color correction on your video footage, then that is definitely a good place to go. Um, although I've used both and I've just been able to do all the things I need in Final Cut Pro 10. Um, but if you're doing bigger budget things, more complicated things, then uh, Resolve definitely has it. One great thing about Resolve, though, is that it's actually free. So they do have a paid version, but there's, a, I mean, pretty much everything you need to do is also in the free version. So that's, I think, why it's a good option for most people. And then we get back to Premiere. Uh, Premiere is just kind of expensive. You have to pay monthly through Creative mm. Cloud from Adobe. It's clunky. Everyone always complains that, like, you'll get crashes. It's, it's slow. It is kind of a tried and true. So it's going to work. It's going to get through. Uh, it's going to get through everything you need. Um, and it has all the features. Uh, one really nice thing that I like back from when we did use Premiere was the kind of cross program linking. So, like, you know, you're in Premiere editing your footage, and then you're like, this shot would be really great to edit in After Effects so I can add like a tracking or something like that. So you could just link it out to After Effects and then it will automatically go back to your program. So like you don't have to leave um, Premiere and like export the footage and then re-import everything. Like it just links itself. That's probably the thing I like the most and the one thing that I semi-miss. Other than that though, I mean, I'm, I'm living life with uh, Final Cut Pro 10 and I'm happy. I, I think you're kind of feeling the same way. Yeah, what's crazy is I'm looking on the Adobe website right now and I know that plans will vary based off of education discounts and stuff like that, but just strictly like an individual plan, cheapest Premiere plan, $21 a month, yep. basically indefinitely, then if you want to have Photoshop and Premiere and After Effects and all that for basically you know the full bundle, it's $53 a month, which... Yep. If you are a professional making a living and you need that stuff, then pays for itself. But it's certainly not cheap. And people called Apple crazy for it. And everyone thought it was crazy, you know, to pay $300 for Final Cut Pro when it launched. Or I guess it's Final Cut Pro now, but it was Final Cut Pro 10 when it launched. They dropped the X there. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> 300 bucks, And that's it. 
indefinite updates. Yep. You're always going to get the latest and greatest. I mean, for those who you know bought it when it launched, it is they've certainly got their money's worth, and it just keeps getting oh, yeah, better and better. Sure. And three hundred bucks. And I think for a while, I, I, they're still doing it now. There's an education bundle that if you are a student or you know in the educational environment, you can get the Pro Apps bundle. I think for three hundred bucks or two hundred bucks, that gives you everything: Final Cut Pro, Motion Compressor, um, Logic, all that stuff. Logic uh, for yep. a really good deal. And yeah, um, I guess. I've bounced between, I started editing in Windows Movie Maker, then bumped to iMovie HD, which I love iMovie HD, best software. Then I moved to Final Cut Express HD, which was basically Final Cut Pro, but a little bit stripped down and cheaper because uh, I wasn't going to pay. The old version like, of Final Cut yeah. Pro, yeah. I wasn't going to pay whatever the 800 bucks or whatever it was. I was in high school, so I wanted something more than iMovie HD, but not the horrible iMovie 08. Um, and then I we switched to Final Cut Pro, then when I started with Techno Buffalo, they were Premiere at that point, so I switched over to Premiere, so I had to relearn Premiere, and then we switched back to Final Cut Pro, so we've kind of bounced between them. But Final Cut Pro is great, especially what's nice is, like you said, Matt, the optimization is there, especially with these Apple Silicon Macs, and the plugin ecosystem is pretty good. I think Premiere probably still has the better plugin ecosystem. There's just Definitely, so much yeah. stuff you can get, but Final Cut Pro is getting better and better, and especially sort of our favorite here is Motion VFX. They are constantly releasing new plugins that do a lot of really cool things. Um, and as long as you've got the GPU and CPU power to support it, you can do some really cool things. So we love Final Cut Pro. That's sort of our two cents. And um, leave it at that. We love Final Cut. Um, Matt, a little bit of news before we get into what we're going to talk about. There's really not much to say here, but just thought I'd mention it. Weird rumor here. According to DigiTimes, at this spring event, Apple is going to launch an M2 macbook pro and the idea here is that they're just going to replace the 13 inch macbook pro the touch bar one sort of the base model with an m2 processor and that's it no mini led no chassis change just an m2 uh, am i the only one that thinks that's weird since we heard the m2 is getting delayed and with the macbook air and um the other or the ipad pro and the other m2 stuff coming later this year why would we see this sort of new chip launching this like weird new sort of laptop to little fanfare unless i guess if they did the m2 in the macbook air and or not the macbook air the macbook pro and the mac mini that would kind of make sense but i don't know just weird last minute rumor that i kind of has got me scratching my head a bit yeah it's it's strange because i mean they it's, it's just almost similar to when they released the ipad air with the a15 chip in it and everyone's like whoa they've never done that before and it ended up not like it doesn't really matter. Like it's not it's not a big deal. But it's just for the M2, it's interesting because, like, this is the the sequel to the craziness and like everything that we were hyped about for the M1 that ended up being great and everyone loves. And then you would expect the Apple would want to make it like a big deal. Like here's the second generation of that. But then like we're putting it in a MacBook Pro that <laughs> is already uh, on its way out. It's strange. I mean, I don't see it not happening, but I guess the, the the reason why it's so weird to me is because if they do announce the M2 chip, I would expect that they're going to want to demo what it can do, right? So why demo it on this old, quote-unquote, old-looking computer instead of waiting for, like, the MacBook Air or something? I guess the other way to think of it is, though, maybe they can't wait. Like, maybe the MacBook Air is delayed for many other reasons. Maybe the iPad Pro is, you know, kind of lame. So maybe they'd rather just let's launch the, the chip. Maybe they do put it in Mac mini. I think that makes more sense. Um, and then also 
you know, silently talk about the MacBook Pro. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even really mention the MacBook Pro and then kind of focus it on like the Mac Mini or something. Exactly. I guess we haven't, yeah, we haven't heard any rumors of this, but do you think they would like do a spec bump to the iMac that we have now? I mean, that is the logical, that makes logical sense, right? Just, well, at some point they will. But even like, if they don't mention it, just, yeah. I, I think that I could totally see a world where they don't mention it, but just on the website after the event, whenever the M2 launches, oh, um, iMac now has M2. That just no price yeah, change, no no fanfare, if that's just what it is. That probably, that makes sense. And I guess that's a good question because we've not gone through that yet with Apple Silicon. What is the update process going to be like when apple releases a new chip are only the new computers going forward going to get that chip or are the still modern chips or computers like the imac do those get updates too it's a great question we don't know the answer to yet yeah and i i mean we heard that they're on this like 18 month timetable for updating their computers or i guess their chips um which is kind of you know that's in the right space so maybe they're just like you know the m2 is here i mean one way to look at it is maybe the like maybe they think of this chip in a different way. Whereas before the chip was, well, I guess the chip didn't matter in the Intel days, really, unless you're looking for like a MacBook Pro or something like that. But before it was like the products themselves were the important thing. Um, and we're kind of thinking as of M2 as an important product, but maybe it's like, here's our chip for the year. Like we're just going to put in everything. So like, we're not worried about what it goes into because it's going to go into everything. So right. the products themselves, th those are going to have other features that we can hype up, but the M2 it's our chip for the year. We're going to announce it now on its own. Like just talk about the chip, who cares what it goes in? Like, let's just talk about the chip. And then throughout the year, you're going to see this put into a bunch of our other products. Hmm. I could see them marketing it that way. I mean, less than a month to go now. So hopefully we know sooner than yeah. later, but that's so the latest we know on the spring event. Um, the other one oh, more thing ahead. to add there is, I mean, the yeah. other reason they may be doing this is because there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> they shift everything else out of this event pretty much. So maybe they are like, you know what, let's just talk about the M2 because maybe they have made some pretty impressive gains there. And then uh, maybe they'll talk about Apple card. Maybe they'll talk about Apple TV and then we'll, I mean, we'll call it a day. As of right now, it's iPhone SE 3, small upgrade, iPad Lame. Air, small upgrade, Lame. Mac Mini, could be cool. Could be cool. Yeah. But is that enough to fill out an hour event? I mean, I guess they could stretch it, but there's really not a lot to talk about there. So I guess if there was exactly. a little M2 section, that would make sense, kind of buffer that out. And then here's the M2 chip. It's going to launch in sort of the Mac Mini and maybe that new Mac Pro today. And then you'll sort of just, you know, when it comes to other products, it'll come to other products. We're not going to say when. Exactly. So that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean... I'm I'm hoping to be wrong and that we're going to like they're they're teasing us here that they're shifting everything downstream but it's actually going to come here but if we know anything from the past if the rumors say it's even possible it's going to be delayed it's probably going to be delayed so <laughs> um yeah I think that's yeah you're right though that's kind of all it is all there is for news this week so let's get into our main topic which is some of these leaks I mean there was there was a few um I think it was on Mac rumors that talked about the iPhone 10 leak uh, be, or I guess it was like a prototype leak, which showed a finger uh, touch ID fingerprint scanner on the back, which we all kind of thought maybe was coming. Cause I think I, I, we definitely had rumors of a facial recognition thing, but we didn't know if that was for sure. Cause this was back in the days of touch ID. So it made sense that touch ID would now come to this new generation of phone. Um, so that got us thinking like, what were some of the biggest leaks from Apple ever? And there's a few that are obviously very notable, but I figured let's start with, I think, well, we're going to go into the iPhone era forward. Obviously, there's 
a lot of things before that that hmm. we could talk about, but kind of the more modern era. I, I was thinking about the original iPhone because I was like, like it had to have had some rumors and leaks around it, right? Which it, it did. But the reason why I don't remember is because that's actually when I started this whole Apple journey. Like I think the Apple iPhone event, the first generation was the first event I actually watched. I didn't watch it live because I was in school, but like that's the first event that I was aware of that I actually watched. And then from then on, I was like hooked. Um, but going back, it's interesting how far back the iPhone story starts. Let me find uh, here this here. Um, so apparently, the iPhone trademark from Apple was registered. Oh, sorry. Let me get that a little corrected. iPhone.org was registered by Apple in December 1999. Wow. So like... The iPhone goes back a long, long ways. Obviously, it was announced officially in 2007. So that's eight years, which actually isn't that long. <laughs> like that's not, like 1999 sounds like a long time ago, but uh, 1999 to 2007 isn't that long of a time. Um, but yeah, they, they have had their hands on the iPhone name for a long time. But if you remember, iPhone, that when they registered that uh, domain in 1999 was before even the iPod. Obviously, they were had the iPod in development because that came out in 2001. But like, they've been they've been in this game for a long time. And then, um, yeah, a lot of there was no big leaks, nothing like that. But I looked back and one interesting story that I thought uh, I'd talk about before we move on because again, no no big leaks here is that apparently Steve Jobs was testing out the uh, iPhone in his house. There was uh, some kind of issue with Wi-Fi. So he had some Apple engineers come over so they can like debug it and figure out what's going on. And then I guess a FedEx driver came to deliver a package <laughs> and Steve Jobs just like nonchalantly walks out with his iPhone in his hand and like realizes that the, the iPhone is there and he just like hides it behind his back, signs for the package, goes away. But I thought that was kind of funny. Like the most revolutionary product. Hmm. I mean, you can't really say of all time, but definitely in the last uh, two decades before the in post internet, the iPhone is definitely the biggest uh, invention. I think that's, I think that's fair to say. I, I um, think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair to say uh, at least one of the biggest inventions that we've had that changed the world. And he maybe almost leaked it to some FedEx driver just because he, I guess didn't care, but <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Um, really, though, you have to kind of like we had some leaks. We had some things going on, but really, let's just get into it. iPhone 4. This is what I think really started the modern era of leaks mm. um, in, in the sense that we saw basically the entire product. Like today, we're kind of used to kind of knowing exactly what's happening. But that really started with the iPhone 4. Uh, Robert, you want to run us through if for those that don't know, give us the synopsis of what happened with the iPhone four. Uh, so the story is still disputed to this day, but what we know are the basic facts. So supposedly an Apple engineer goes into a bar near the Cupertino campus. And remember that I think it has still happens these days, but maybe not so much because Apple can really do a lot of artificial tests at their own headquarters. But even back then, this is like 2009, 2010. 
they have to, the engineers, take the phones out of Cupertino to actually test them in the real world. They got to test the cell quality. They got to see what the signal is going to be like. They need to actually test to make sure uh, a lot of these uh, sort of real world factors and real world scenarios will work with the iPhone. They're not really testing camera and stuff like that, but it's more um, engineering stuff, signal strength, uh, cell connectivity, stuff like that. And they had this iPhone 4 prototype in a case that looked like the iPhone 3GS. So remember the iPhone 4, this was a big revolutionary redesign. They didn't want to leak that. So they had these uh, models in a case that was sort of rounded around that made it look like a 3GS. So on first glance, you wouldn't really notice that it was any different than the iPhone 3GS that was already out. So what happened, according to uh, multiple accounts, is that either the phone was left in a bar or it was stolen from the engineer at the bar that's still disputed to this day. And someone got their hands on it took it back home, and then I think next day in the morning realized what they had. And from the story that I remember, they, I think, tried to contact Apple and said, hey, we found this device because they noticed that the software was obviously not iOS. It was running like the pre-release engineering software. And I don't know if they took it out of the casing there or not. I think they might have. They took it out of the plastic case and then I would say, this is really different. This is not the iPhone 3GS. This is something totally different. So they contacted Apple and I think they might have just called like the regular old customer support line or whatever happened. And I think this poor person thought it was a joke. They didn't know what was going on. I don't know if that information ever got passed up the chain, but basically Apple sort of blew them off. So then the story goes that, okay, they knew they were onto something special. This was an unreleased prototype. Um, they started to shop it around a bit until it ended up with Gizmodo. Gizmodo, I forgot how much they paid, Matt. Maybe you can look it up, how much Gizmodo paid for that prototype. Uh, but Gizmodo bought the unreleased Apple prototype. How, what channel they went through, whether that individual contacted the different outlets, I don't really remember the specifics, but one way or another, it ended up with Gizmodo. That was uh, then right, the I got senior the, editor. I got the info. Oh, tell me. What do you think? What's your guess? I think it was like what? I think it was only like five, ten thousand dollars. I don't think it was some crazy. Five thousand bucks. That's 5, not a crazy. Five thousand dollars. <laughs> five thousand dollars for what was probably the biggest story of the year, and probably the biggest Gizmodo story ever. I think that I mean, Gizmodo was big back then, but that really was, cemented their Gizmodo reputation, good and well, bad, which we'll get into. Yeah, it did. We'll get into that. Yeah, keep keep going so, with the story. So Jason Chan, senior editor, gets the phone. Obviously, he can see that it's, you know, the prototype and they really can't launch it because it's running that pre-release software. And I think by then Apple had actually remotely bricked it so it couldn't turn on. But you still had the entire outside of the phone that was totally different from the 3GS. So what all tech bloggers would do in that situation is they posted a bunch of photos and a video <laughs> on the Gizmodo website of, hey, this is the new iPhone 4. This is the unreleased phone. Let me show you every single angle of it. And they proceeded to show off every angle of this unreleased iPhone. And I'll never forget, even back then I was, what, 15 years old when this happened, 16, how it was just, oh man, oh my gosh, the new iPhone this just leaked. Great. And this wasn't a little leak. This was an entire huge leak. So 
basically, yeah. long story short, you know, everybody sees the phone. Um, obviously, Steve Jobs, when he announces the phone, he says, stop me if you ever seen this, because that was basically, it was the iPhone 4. And then there was some fallout from that, which basically included, I think, the FBI or local authorities yeah, raiding criminal, Jason yeah. Chen's home. And there was some criminal prosecution against him. And also, Gizmodo was banned forever from eternity on the blacklist yeah. from any other Apple event from all time, which that probably was a bigger financial hit for them because... Yeah. It's a lot of clicks and a lot of views from Apple content, so it probably cost them way more than what it was. But I can't even imagine what that $5,000 made them from clicks and ads, and it was crazy. So, Matt, did I miss anything there? That's basically the gist of the story. No, that, that's that's pretty much the gist of the story. But I do think, like, yeah, they paid 5000 bucks, which sounds like nothing uh, for for what they got. But at the same time, it, I feel like it kind of killed their website. Like, I don't, I don't know. Gizmodo used to be a thing I checked pretty decently but i never do anymore that, it died down like i yeah. it's i mean they still exist but it, it's not it's not what it used to be it used to, well i guess they they went through a bunch of changes it used to be like very tech focused and now there's a lot more stuff but that's that's kind of besides the point what was interesting about this i think why it went so viral um well one we hadn't really seen leaks like this before so obviously that that helped a lot um the iphone was really gaining in popularity so if you remember the first iphone it was cool and everyone thought it was great, but it was so expensive and nobody really had them. It was it was too new. The 3G, it really started to catch on. That's when you got the app store. That's when you got all that kind of stuff. So it, it kind of, you know, started to go. Th there's an app for that, you know, that, that whole uh, ad campaign. It really started to take off. Same thing with the 3GS, another step in the right direction. And then, so it was already in the zeitgeist. Wh whereas with if it would have happened with like the original iPhone, I think people would have been like, oh, cool, like the next version of the ipod or something like that you know like i don't think it would have gone as crazy um but what was so interesting about this and i think why for us nerds who already knew about the iphone what was so cool is that it was such a new design there was so much new about it um that I, it was just hard to get not get excited about it so things that we obviously the design so it had the stainless steel band around the edges. It had the glass on the front and back. A complete departure from even the first iPhone, but especially the iPhone 3GS or 3G and 3GS. Because remember that plastic back with the stainless steel shiny chrome around the uh, screen that would always get scratched. I mean, the 3G to the 4 in terms of design and build quality, you, you can't even compare it. I mean, the 4 is just, I mean, we say it to this day, the 4 is probably the best designed phone. Would you agree with that? It's a beautiful phone, and it's going to make a resurgence with the iPhone 14. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there it, it it did well. I think even to this day, it looks modern. It, you know, except for the tiny screen and all that kind of stuff. But like, just if the industrial design of it is excellent. So that on its own was like, wow, this is such a big departure from what they're doing currently. The other thing is the camera on the back was way bigger than the iPhone 3G's camera. So we kind of were guessing that it was going to be a, a much improved camera system. And speaking of cameras, on the front, you could see that there was a front-facing camera. This was the first phone from Apple with a front-facing camera, which, of course, introduced FaceTime. That's a huge deal. I, I remember there were some Android phones at the time that had that, and everyone was scrambling for Apple to do that. Hmm. Um, and they, this is the phone that did it. Another thing, though, that was, I think, this was one thing that Apple really set the bar for was the retina display when mm -hmm. even though you couldn't turn on the display or I mean you can you couldn't like run the phone and use it uh, it you could get the Apple logo to show up 
and you could just tell that it was really high resolution from the images and from the reporting. And I mean, the full breadth of what that meant didn't really come to fruition until they actually announced the phone until, until everyone actually used it. But the retina display, I think was one of the biggest leaps that we had seen in a phone since I think the phone was even a thing. I mean, the iPhone 4 is still a beautiful uh, designed phone. It's still a beautiful phone. And to give some context, this article came out in early early to mid-April of 2010, like a full two and a half months before the announcement in June. And for those who don't remember, those who weren't around, this was really before the leaks and rumors picked up. iPhone information was scarce, so this was huge. And the video, they did like a little eight-second video on this. or they did, they did a couple, but the eight-second clip they had in the article, four million views on YouTube. So it was a huge um, deal for them. I think still regarded as the biggest iPhone leak of all time. Since then, there has never been a hands-on stolen prototype uh, expose article like that. Um, But there have been some other notable leaks over the years, which we can talk about. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, that was kind of the first big one. And then since then, we've kind of got big leaks for almost every iPhone, especially Uh, the iPhone five, which came out after the 4S, obviously, uh, was pretty much fully leaked. I remember making videos about that and thinking it did not look very good with those glass hmm. um, cutouts on the top and the bottom. Of course, once it, we actually got it in our hand, I think it actually looked very good. A lot of people, a lot of people go back and forth whether or not the iPhone 4 or the iPhone 5 design is like the best that Apple has done. But uh, I just remember when the leaks of it first came out. Eh, yeah, I didn't like it that much, but we, I mean, same thing as the iPhone four, but not as quite as much fanfare. We got an entire leak of that phone before the phone came out, um, which, um, kind of crazy, but, uh, moving on to some other ones, the original iPad that also had a leak. Um, that was pretty big that, uh, you could, you know, the, the interesting thing about these leaks is we get leaks and then we get leaks that may or may not be real. So that's kind of what's interesting is especially going back and saying like, wow, this thing came out so early, but it actually ended up being the real thing. And that's, that's kind of what happened with the uh, iPad. I believe Engadget got these photos. Let me just confirm there real quick. Um, or maybe it was Gizmodo actually. There, no, Engadget. Oh, yeah, this is a, Gizmodo. Yeah, well, some of the watermarks on there are Engadget. So I don't know if there's a mix of different ones. It's probably a mix, but basically, I, I don't. We're looking at this picture here. I'll, we'll we'll try to throw it up so you can look at it. But do you remember this image of the iPad in this crazy enclosure? This is the yeah, one I specifically remember. I remember that. And I remember it was, it was so hard to tell what it was, and I just remember with the iPad. And I guess we'll get into this in a minute. This was again, for, again for those who don't remember, for those who were around who needed a little nostalgia trip. It was like Apple's next big thing. Tablets were heating yep. up. There were so many rumors about Apple making a tablet. And no one knew what it was going to be like. We had seen all these, it wasn't even renders back then. It was crude uh, concepts and images of Mac OS X on a tablet. And we thought it was going to be called Isolate. And it was going to have a pencil and different things. And there was so much hype around it because we just didn't know what it was going to be. Because was it going to be a bigger iPhone? Was it going to be something totally new? No one knew. And I just remember I stayed home from school that day. The hype was just, it was in the air. It was it was insane. I remember um, the Yerba Buena Center event and Steve Jobs came out and to see it. And it was so, so cool. And it was just one of those moments where it was just so unique, so different, such a new thing because it was a totally new product category from Apple. It was really cool. And yeah, the leaks were pretty sparse. I remember these images and I remember uh, getting it uh, launched in April and getting in my hands. And I'm like, this thing is heavy. It's kind yeah. of bulky, but 
it was kind of like a big iPhone, but oh, it was so cool. Never forget that. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, no, that 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 was. I love the iPad. I mean, we, we talk about the iPad a lot and how it has some issues now, but still overall, it's still one of my favorite products. I just love using it. It's just, you know, one of the things Steve Jobs said, like you get to like touch your stuff basically like you're using the internet and you're like touching the internet which is super cheesy it's all marketing speak and everything like that but it's true you're like holding it super thin it's great i don't know i love the ipad um one interesting leak that i think we should mention is one that came from apple themselves not that long ago with the iphone 10s <laughs> um Go, go through that. Explain what happened there. This was a 9to5 Mac exclusive, and I think this was like just the day before the event. So, and usually, we'll see a lot of different last-minute leaks happen like the day before the event. Sometimes um, iOS betas are released that have like little like source code references or images. I remember that happened with the iPhone 10. There was like a little iPhone with a notch yeah. that came out in like yeah. the iOS like the day before. But uh, with this leak, somehow, some way... Um, Someone at nine to five Mac was either given these photos or they found it themselves a like unlisted live stream test from Apple uh, for the event. And this is before the pre-recorded days. This was a live event, and somehow they were doing yep. some tests of the live stream, and they were going through the different parts of um, the announcement. It was I don't know if it was like a full run through or it was just sort of the graphics, but one of the graphics that they were able to capture was the introduction graphic of the iPhone XS, and I think even the Apple Watch, too. They were able to grab a couple of I different things, so, yeah. and the day before the event, 9 to 5 Max, like, here you go, here's the exclusive, here's the XS. And we got to see the XS and the XS Max, we saw the colors, and these were official images from Apple. These were like screen grabs from their test live stream. And I remember that Apple, after they had posted the article, removed the live stream or they somehow were able to hide it better. And that has never been an issue again. Uh, but that was another bad leak from Apple that somehow someone is able to get in there or guess it. And when they were playing back those images, just screen capture, screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. And all those uh, all those surprises were spoiled the day before. Thanks to 9to5Mac. So. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Has there have there been any other leaks like that from Apple themselves? Maybe not I don't that big, think but. so. I mean, I can't imagine that there isn't over like these days that final video file the utmost secrecy. Ooh, and I know yeah. that even for those who work on those, I mean, you got to think that there's dozens of people working on the animations, the renders. There are a lot of different hands in that pot working on those videos and even those graphics and stuff. And those must be ironclad NDAs and like they must know exactly who you are, your name, address. I mean, I'm sure they're Apple employees, but like they know exactly who yeah. has access to what information because they want to track down those leaks. But that was well, the only leak I remember of that yeah. kind. I mean, these days um, they probably have their own production team because it's probably more efficient to do that. But I mean, back in the day, uh, I think even in the iPhone 10s days, maybe iPhone 10 days, they they worked with contractors to do those videos. So I mean, that'd be terrifying. Like I'd be so. I mean, honestly, that'd be one of those situations where I probably wouldn't even bring my phone or anything that could capture images or anything like that. Like I'm I going mean, to work. I'll be back at the end of the day. I'm not chancing anything. That'd be so we've, scary. <laughs> we've heard the security measures that go into place, especially even in the factories. How you're not allowed to have your phone on the floor and all these things. I mean, I'm sure these days. Apple knows exactly who has access to what information at any oh, yeah. given specified time. I'm sure they track it all to the T so they know where information disseminates. And that's one of the conspiracy theories now is, you know, are people getting fired from Apple from leaking this stuff or who's doing what? And there was that one ex-employee who's getting sued because 
he was go- planning on quitting or he was in like his two weeks uh, notice or whatever and he was accessing um, information he had access to uh, nefariously to give that information out to journalists for a quid pro quo. So uh, Apple yeah. does not take that lightly at all. No, not at all. And uh, I'm kind of glad we, we work with embargoes and stuff like that from time to time. So we know how that works, but it's a whole another level when you're doing it with Apple, especially oh, yeah. for an unreleased product, not one that, you know, YouTubers and stuff, we, we, we've gotten to you know, like get access to the phone after it's announced, but before it's available to the public, but we've never done it before. That, that just sounds scary. Um, the iPhone XS, I mean, we can kind of go back though. I think an interesting thing with these leaks is not so much, there's like another element to this, which is the prototype leaks because you know, obviously these devices are in development and every single time a new thing comes out, then the leakers try to, you know, report on it. So that means there's going to be some leaks of some of the uh, products that never were. And, and also just from those leaks, we get things like dummy models, which try to show us what these phones will look like to actually have in our hand before, before they're even out. And that's something that's pretty common now. Like every single phone that comes out, that's a major phone. You can pretty much buy it that doesn't work, you know, months before that, like the iPhone um, 12s, the iPhone 13s, we had those phones in dummy model units and they were pretty spot on. There's things that are different. Like obviously they're not made out of the same materials and they're not uh, high quality or anything like that, but they're for all intents and purposes, the same phone. Um, And that's kind of a interesting, interesting uh, thing that's happened lately. I, I'm still a little confused though about this because, you know, there's so many of these that just pop up randomly. Like, who's making them? What are they for? The general consensus is that these these dummy models are for case manufacturers. But I, I don't know if I buy that so much. I think it's more just to hype up things and like get a little bit of money on the on the back end before the product actually comes out for people like the us who actually buy them. I don't know, but yeah, that's an interesting change in the leaking structure is that these physical models because maybe you can't get a picture of it but maybe we can actually just make one and that's good enough yeah we uh were talking earlier before the show about um a photo that resurfaced recently that was older from the iphone 10 era of this iphone 10 prototype that had a like really slim bezel around the display but like not like iphone 10 style like there was no notch but then touch id on the back and people were talking about, oh, this is what it would be like if there's still Touch ID on the iPhone and this and that. But it's really hard to tell what's true and what's not. And I just can't exactly. tell if these that prototype was real. I feel like I'm sure there's a whole business of people just making these fake prototypes just to disrupt the news cycle, try to get some attention. Um, it's really hard to tell what's true and what's not. But what was so different about the iPhone 10 era is that was another moment of a big transition at Apple. And... We really didn't know how they were going to do things. So at first we thought it was going to be the iPhone 8. So there was like an iPhone 8 Plus and then an iPhone 8. Then we started to see these radically different prototypes come out, like one with like no um, Touch ID button and it was all screen. Then one with a Touch ID button, it was really weird. And that was one of the weirdest launches Apple has ever done because it turned out to be the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10. There was just sort of the normal sort of iPhone 8 that was the successor to the iPhone 7, very minimal changes there. And then the real star of the show, the one more thing, the iPhone 10. Um, And it seems like we're getting sort of in that same um, vein with the iPhone 14, but still again, 
the iPhone 14 is going to be a big upgrade, but I don't think it, it's not the change or it's not the jump from iPhone 7 to iPhone 10. That was just such a huge shift that, that I don't think change, we're at yeah. just yet. When do you think we get to that, if ever again, with the iPhone, that it changes so radically yeah. that it's like they're Apple throwing out their design book and this is something totally different? Yeah, that's tough because, I mean, I can't really think of what else they would do that isn't iterative, so it wouldn't be a huge leap because... You know, getting rid of the home button, getting rid of the bezels, that was a big jump. And now, what, they're going to get rid of the notch? But that's that's not a huge dump, jump. That's that's not going to change much. Um, the design itself, they could go back to, like, a rounded design, but that's still not going to change much. That's just a, a design change. Um, the only thing I could think of is if they do end up making this folding iPhone, that would be a huge jump. I would expect that would just be one version of the iPhone. They're not going to make every iPhone that, at least initially. So that could be interesting. But other than that, I mean, I, I think they're going to rely more on just other products. The iPhone is solid now. It is what it is. We're going to continue iterating on it. Actually, I was, I was, uh, there was another story about that. Someone from Tesla, which not that that matters, but some was basically saying like, there's nothing to look forward to from Apple at this point because everything's just kind of iterative. And I, I semi agree. Everything is iterative. We talked about that in the past. Um, although we're expecting to see this new virtual reality, mixed reality headset. So that could be the next generation. I think they're more focused on those kind of things rather than, Let's completely blow everyone's mind with what the new iPhone is going to look like. We're going to make it better. It's going to be cool. It's going to be nice, but it's still just just the iPhone. So on the flip side to products that have leaked excessively, let's talk a bit about products that have not leaked all so much. And that was, that's still sort of the case today, but really a few years ago it was um, definitely the case that it was much more easy to be wowed by something. And there were some products that Apple kept so secretive, so uh, sort of sealed off inside of that spaceship that no one really knew what it was like before it was launched. And there's always, especially these days, there's always rumors, there's always leaked images of something. So it's hard to do it these yeah. days, but um, they're not foolproof. But I remember, for example, the Apple Watch, the original Apple Watch, I don't remember that many leaks on that product. And that was a case where Apple was able to show it off before it had to go through FCC filings and regulatory right, exactly. stuff. So they hadn't really mass manufactured it, which made it easier to keep things secret. But do you remember any Apple Watch leaks before that reveal video? Because I'll never forget watching that super sleek reveal video. It was like, oh, man, it was uh, it's one of those moments where it's like a very first of its kind that was super cool to experience. Uh, un uh, uh, What's the word? Um Without the surprise spoil, to see it totally fresh was really cool. Yeah, that's I, I agree. There wasn't very much about it. We heard rumors about the watch coming, obviously. That that was something we knew. Um, but if I remember correctly, there was one major leak that was actually correct and showed everything. Um, but it was just schematics. It was an actual picture of the watch. Um, and I think that came out only a few days before the event. So it wasn't even like a, you know months before or anything like that where we already knew what to expect it was still very much a surprise uh when we saw the apple watch announced i know a lot of people were expecting it to be round or hoping for it to be round and that wasn't the case that was i, I remember when it was first announced that was the thing everyone was going back and forth on like is it going to be round or is it going to be a square and well, obviously it was a square um but yeah I, there was nothing really big about it that i can remember except for those schematics which the only reason I remember them is because I was hoping secretly that it was not true and that's not what they were going to look like. Um, but I mean, yeah, even to this day, we don't get much on the Apple watch. I think what's interesting though, you know, from that is what we learn how Apple kind of does thing is like you said, 
before they have to file FCC to the FCC to you know get approval for these products, that's kind of how they keep the most secrets. That's why we didn't really get a leak of the iPhone, the original iPhone. That's why we didn't really get a huge leak of the original iPad, um, except for some of those images. Um, that's why the Apple Watch, and you know probably why we're not going to see this mixed reality headset until it's actually on screen. And that's because Apple doesn't have to worry about outside parties they can just do it all in-house um and that's that's that, i think that's why those new products are so exciting just because they're actually new and surprising rather than everything we already know i will say that if you do have some time to kill and you're like curious of like a behind the scenes look at apple stuff uh, if you go to the fcc website you can search filings all the filings it's all public info and you can look at apple's um different FCC filings and see all the way back. I think it goes way back, but you can look at the original iPhone and see all the stuff they're required to submit. And I mean, it's every angle of the phone. It's the testing environment. And you can see um, from then on, from the original iPhone on, they're able to uh, keep some of the stuff confidential. And they're also able to ask the FCC to allow them to keep some of the stuff confidential for a certain amount of time. Um, but a lot of this stuff, if you go on and look at the filings, it's all these pictures, the test environments, the specifics. Um, once they do that filing with the FCC and someone grabs it, you can basically know everything. So it's really in Apple's best interest to announce it, give a little bit of time, and then go off to the FCC and do those updates. And I wonder if, I mean, I, I don't know the ins and outs of this, but I'm assuming that with a product like the iPhone, and Apple's reputation, they're probably able to get FCC approval pretty quick. So like if they announce it, they can probably get the approval in a couple of weeks. Or is it bigger with the new product? I don't know how that works these days because they still have to do that information um, yeah. and submit it and stuff. But you know, these days they're going from, there's like a two-week window between the announcement and the launch. So I'm not exactly sure how that works these days. But check out the FCC website if you're curious because there's some cool little tidbits and behind-the-scenes stuff on there. Yeah, it's always interesting that there's also a website called Patently Apple, which has like all their patents and stuff that are kind of interesting. Most of those things don't actually ever turn into anything, but it's just interesting to see what, you know, because Apple's such a big company and they work in the U.S., so they have to go with all the U.S. regulations. So at some point, they're going to have to publicly file some of these things. It's just interesting to see what they're working on. Um Besides the Apple Watch, I was kind of thinking one that semi-leaked but didn't really leak, and that was iOS 7. So this is software. Software rarely leaks um, mm -hmm. because, I mean, like we'll we'll get hints that the new software is coming, like uh, usually month, like a month or so after uh, the new iOS software, like iOS 15 was announced, right? Then like a month later, a few weeks later, we'll see on like Geekbench that, oh, there's a new version of iOS that's being tested. And that, you know, we know that these things are coming and we know they're they're happening and being tested, but we don't actually get an idea of what features we're gonna see, what the design's gonna be. But we did know that iOS 7 was likely going to be a huge revamp for the first time. We had the skeuomorphic design and then Johnny Ive kind of, is that when he took over? I, I know that's when Scott Forstall yep. left. But that I'm was to, a yeah, iOS seven over. was a Johnny Ive creation. Yeah, so we knew there was going to be something big, something very different, and we definitely got that. And I remember we didn't really see anything until I believe it was the night before we got the icons leaked by someone. Let me see if I can find it. But do you remember that? I remember the uh, very different opinions on iOS 7 because you either loved it or hated it. It was a big departure from the skeuomorphic design language of sort of this uh, digital realism of real products. It was very flat, very different. I remember I was not a fan, but I do remember 
iOS 7 was one of the uh, iOS betas that I had to have and had to jump through the hoops to get on my phone because it was so different and so new that I just had to play around with it before it launched in the fall. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I found it. And yeah, okay, this is what this is. It's actually kind of reminiscent of what we have today with like uh, John Prosser and stuff. So this is from 9to5Mac, iOS 7, icons. Um, but instead of it being a direct picture, it's a representation of what they saw. So they had someone in Photoshop go through and recreate the icons. And they're pretty spot on if you go look up iOS 7 uh, icon leak uh, on 9to5Mac. They're pretty spot on to what we actually got. The colors are slightly different, but everything else is almost exactly the same. And uh, this, I believe, leaked, I'm trying to see, June 9th. And WWDC is when it was announced, which was, let me just get the date. I believe it was days before. Yeah, whatever. It was days before. I, I remember that. It was very, very close to that um, announcement. But that was really the only big software leak that I can even think of. I'm, I'm trying to... Th I mean, that's not even a big leak, but it was it was just we knew there was going to be a big update to the software and we finally got a glimpse of it before it was announced. It, can you think of any other software leaks that we saw? Now, software rarely leaks. I mean, we've seen like snippets like there was just a uh, uh, story that came out recently about there's a snippet of uh, reference to reality OS, ROS, which is Apple's rumored mixed reality VR OS. Uh, but because software can stay so limited and because they're not really building it in like factories and it's like not a physical thing. And I'm sure it has also limited access from internal people at Apple rarely to software leak. So usually we really don't know what it is until Apple announced it, which does sort of make WWDC cool in that way because yeah. those features are kind of new for the first time for everyone, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, we'll get some like rumors of what we're expecting and we know that they're working on things. Like you said, we've seen... Uh We've seen leaks, or I guess maybe not leaks, but rumors of this home OS that Apple is working on, this reality OS, like you mentioned. Um, so we know they're working on certain things, but we don't know what they're going to look like or what they're going to do. Uh, and especially these days, like in the early days, there was a bunch of features that all of us wanted to come to the iPhone. Uh, so when they did, we were, weren't all that surprised. But these days, I mean, these phones are so good that there's certain things that maybe you'd like to change, but it's hard to know what Apple will actually do. So it's, it's, it's just interesting to see what they do change. But then on the flip side of that, they don't make very many big changes most of the time. So it's often still a letdown because you want more, especially since it's not leaked. You're kind of expecting big things and then just ends up being kind of minor. Um, but yeah, software is probably the, the biggest place where things just don't leak. I think another big one is like just Macs in general. We do get, obviously now we have like renders of everything. In, the, in this day and age, everything kind of leaks. Um, but... Aside from like some aluminum enclosures from like the unibody MacBooks, we don't really get all that many leaks of the next generation Macs. And I, I guess one way to think about this is they don't update the Macs all that often. So that's probably why. But you would think that they're such a big product, something that you'd have to test, especially for like a laptop that you would want to take out and about um, for battery life and that kind of thing. But we don't really get that many leaks of those. Yeah, we did get, um, well, I guess one of the biggest sources of the MacBook Pro leak came from that hack from that Russian group of one of the uh, contract companies Apple was working with. So if you discount that, there really wasn't any crazy leaked info on it besides what Dylan DKT gave us. And like the iMac, for example, with that you know pretty big redesign, I don't remember any long, big, yeah. big, yeah, there wasn't any uh, leak on that. I think got it right. I could be wrong, but um, the, it was like the modern, right, but it wasn't exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. The modern Macs are leaking less and less. Maybe that's just because Apple's more secretive of it or I don't know. It just, I think that there is definitely 
maybe a little less interest in a Mac leak than there is an iPhone leak because everyone wants to see the new iPhone and the iPad. Um, yeah. And I guess speaking of that, uh, we've also seen the iPad leak and some of the iPad leaks like with the iPad mini was totally wrong. That we saw that leaked image of all the uh, different uh, iPad models and they showed the sort of older chassis for the iPad mini. So oh, yeah. if you needed reminding, um, don't always believe the leaks and rumors because sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. So Well, and um, especially as we saw with the uh, Apple Watch Series 7. <laughs> Probably yeah, the biggest which... blunder that we've seen in recent memory. One day, we're going to hear the story of how that happened, how German and Prosser got it wrong, all these sources. There's going to be some little tidbit that comes out in like 10 years about like, oh, when I was at Apple, I heard this story on this. But for now, yeah. it's still so many people, so many credible people got it wrong. It's just insane. Yeah. And I will say like for for a lot of these products, like for the Mac particularly, like maybe it doesn't leak because it's not a mobile product. The iPhone, the Apple Watch, the iPad even, like these are things that you kind of have to test in the real world. Obviously you have to test a MacBook in the real world too, but you can do that inside very easily. You're really just testing battery life and like Wi-Fi performance in terms of things that you would want to do in the real life. That's probably all I can really think of. Um, that you can do inside still. Uh, but with something that has cellular connectivity, like iPads, like the Apple Watch, like the iPhone, at some point you're going to have to take it outside. At some point you're going to have to take it out of the R&D center from Apple. And that just leads it vulnerable for other people to not just, I mean, we don't really get spy shots of these products very often. We used to get those actually in the past decently. Um, I think the original iPhone was like spotted on a train or something like that, just like a spy photo. Um <laughs> But we don't really get that anymore. What we do get, though, is I think at least, you know, uh, someone who works at Apple is testing this phone. Their friend sees it and is like, ooh, let me snap some photos of it. It looks it, – it's not it's not really a leak. It's more of a – well, I guess it is a leak. I don't know. But we don't get – I'm forgetting where I'm going here. It's interesting how this has evolved and, you know – when you have a product that needs to get tested outside, it's just going to leak. It's what's going to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get things like AirPods that need to get leaked, that end up getting leaked because they need to get tested outside, things like that. And maybe that's why we don't know what the new iMac is going to look like because there's no reason to test that anywhere except for inside of the R&D center. I wish we got spy shots these days. And these days, it's like the a spy very, shots a lot are of, actually more fun than the renders. I, think. I know. Now, now these days, it's um, someone in the supply chain gives some info. Analysts know something, and you know now we have the benefit of modern tech is these beautiful renders and concepts. But back, remember back then, um, you know, ten years ago, there were some crude sketches from people who knew how to animate these or you know put them together in Photoshop or Illustrator. But it was mainly just like schematics or like the spy shots. Um, Man, it wouldn't be cool if there's like a spy shot of the iPhone 14 or something. That's what I'm saying. Like the spy shots are just so much more interesting. Like they're kind of blurry, <sighs> but good enough so you can see everything. It's just, it's more fun. They're always that, like well, potato quality back, and like. The iPhone, or not iPhone, the iPad, the original iPad that we were talking about earlier, that's kind of what that was. It's like, it's that if you look at that picture, it's very blurry and you can like almost barely make out what it is. Like that, it's just so much more interesting because you know it's real. It's something. It's whether or not, is it the actual thing? Is it from some other company that's just trying to trick you like it's just more fun and then if you're an android fan you have the pixel which just like leaks in full 4k video months before i mean if google themselves are releasing it is it really a leak yeah i mean then now i mean you have a lot of android manufacturers now who just sort of leak the stuff themselves to build hype yeah that's another discussion but um oh yeah that's a totally different discussion what a fun uh 
trip down memory lane. It's just funny and interesting and fascinating how leak culture and leaks have changed so much and how Apple, one of the most secretive companies in the world, who I'm sure spends millions of dollars just to keep their secrets oh, yeah. secret, they can't help with all this stuff. So, um, but, but make sure Ellie headset. Still don't really know what that's going to look like, so that'll be surprising. No, we got some exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, no, we're, we're we've been in this lull for the last few years of we kind of know what to expect. The leaks have all been pretty decent, except for the Apple Watch. But now we're getting to the new stuff, and I think it's going to get more and more exciting. What's your prediction, though? Are we going to see a leak of the actual hardware, not a render, but a, the actual hardware before we get the product announced? Of the headset, I don't think so. I think this is one that Apple has held so close to the chest, so to speak, that I think we're going to wait until the event to actually see this thing for the first time. And I think that's going to be great for everybody. Great for Apple, great for us. And I should mention, too, we've heard a lot from Apple employees sort of off the record how they hate the leaks because they spend months and months building this thing and they're so careful and meticulous on how they want to show it off. And then it just gets leaked on Mac rumors and it's over and the surprise is spoiled. And I know some people who we know um, will go out of their way to not watch any stuff before so they can sit down at night and watch the event in its entirety spoiler free people still do that which is it's yep. getting tougher and tougher to avoid the leaks just because they are everywhere so if you don't want to see leaks you kind of have to stay off of well, twitter don't be listening stay to off this, mac rumors sure. don't yeah if you're listening to this you're we're an hour in you you're too late but um <laughs> i i hope for well I'm greedy and I hope that we get leaks because it'd be fun to cover it and like fun to show it off and get a little glimpse of it. But the Apple enthusiast in me hopes that we don't get any leaks and we see this for the first time. And I wouldn't be surprised if we only see renders of this and we don't see physical hardware for a little bit. So something else to keep in mind too. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think we're not going to see a full reveal until it's actually announced. Uh, I'm excited to see it though. Like you said, like I'm on the fence. Yeah, I want to see those leaks, but it would also be more interesting to see it um, on stage for the first time and actually be wowed or, I mean, potentially very disappointed by whatever they announce. But yeah, that was, yeah, like you said, a good trip down memory lane. There's a lot to cover. I'm sure we missed a lot of stuff and there's <laughs> a lot of other ways to cover this topic that I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. But a lot of products, mainly iPhone related because it seems like the iPhone is the most interesting thing uh, these days. So... Yeah, anything else before we wrap up? I think I think we went I a surprisingly think, long time on that. I know. I, I think I'd love to ask you guys in the comments or you know, text us, 949-354-3508, what is your most memorable or favorite Apple leak? What leaked that you were most excited about? What was the biggest one that sort of made a big lasting impact on you? Let us know a little Q&A here we can do. Uh, hear what you guys have to say. Again, text us or comment below if you're watching the video version. I think, like you said, Matt, that is it. Thank you guys so much for watching or listening and or listening if you want to watch and listen uh, to the Apple Circle podcast. Uh, we'll be right back here next week, same time, same place for another episode of the Apple Circle podcast.